This week we're looking at They Live by John Carpenter. And I will admit, I've never seen it before. And considering that, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a John Carpenter fanboy, but um, I do like his work. You know, whether that be Halloween or The Thing, the two escape movies. But more importantly, one of you my favourite... Are you admitting to liking the LA one, are you? Um, I'll watch it. It's one of those ones which I know is crap, but I get some enjoyment. But ultimately, you both know that I love Big Trouble in Little China as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit shocked I hadn't seen this before. I've, I've always been aware of it. Um, and especially that scene where he puts on his glasses, or the glasses for the first time. Yeah. So sort of over to you guys, if you've got any specific memories of it or what your thoughts initially were of it. Well, I, I watched it when I was young. I want to say after I watched The Thing. So I watched Halloween first. Then I watched The Fog, then I watched Hall- and then I watched The Thing. So I was going on a bit of a John Carpenter spree. And then I watched They Live. They Live was probably one of the last ones I watched of his because obviously now it's known as a cult classic. Back in the early, I'd, I'd say back in the mid to late 90s, I don't think it had any reputation at all then. But yeah, I remember watching it and I remember it was weird because re-watching it, I, I did feel differently about the film. When I first watched it, I thought, that was all right. That was decent. I actually enjoyed it more second time watching it, which was the, the other day. Oh, right. It got, it got better for me. Well, I'll, I'll say no. I enjoyed watching it, very similar to you. Um, I can see massive flaws in the film, mm, yeah. but I, I, I love the concept yeah. or, the, or the potential plot. And I'll lay my cards out now. I think this is bloody prime for a remake. We were talking I, about that when we had. I, I, yeah. I think you could do so much with that story. Hmm. What about you, Ad? Well, I um, I first watched it when I was a teenager, like about probably like 16, 17. Last, last year then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'd first seen Hell Comes to Frogtown, the first Roddy Piper. Well, one of the first Roddy Piper. Have you ever seen that from Hell Comes no. to Frogtown? It's like a... It's like a a comedy horror action movie about Roddy Piper going to this sort of like um, post-apocalyptic world, which are run by these giant frog people, and he uh, it's an action movie. But um, so when when I my uncle had they live on DVD or video or whatever, and he was just like, um, you know, lend this um, John Carpenter as well. So I was really excited to watch it, and I was not impressed by it. And I've never really, and I've seen it. This is the third time we've watched it, and I've never really been that into they live. To be honest, I'm, I don't hate it, but I'm just always a bit like. <sighs> About it, I, I, I find it a bit. I find it way too on the nose. If that makes sense. And um, I like, I like, I like, I like certain aspects of it, but I find it fucking boring to get into for the first like half hour. Um, pretty good in the middle, then it goes boring again at the end. It's one of my changes actually. Add that it's there is a bit of a slow start for the first ten minutes. It's just him walking, I know. looking for a job. <laughs> it's just like, come on, get into it. And just I, like... I, I, I got opposing views on that. I actually quite like it. I like the slow build of the film because you slowly see, like he's almost like figuring out, you, you, you're figuring out what's happening at the same time he's figuring out what's happening. And I like that mm-hmm. sort of, as it were, I, don't get me wrong, I know the actual film is science fiction, but it's, it's, I think the build-up is done in a realistic way. 
I get what you two are saying, though, and especially when we were re-watching it, Adam was very vocal about how he found the, you know, the first 40 minutes, as it were. I'm trying not to go into specific specific jokes. I kind of want to talk about it in my changes, but, like, yeah, oh, man. But, like, I just, I'm with you, Andrew. The first, like, what feels like two hours of the film, but it's only, like, 20 minutes. It's just like, oh, come on. Like, fucking do something now. It, it, it could have easily been 70 minutes and as good. I don't think uh, for you, Ad, the the soundtrack helped either, did it? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, John Carpenter, for shooting Ardles, but like, this is the one John Carpenter soundtrack I do not like. I cannot take the soundtrack for this one. What's it called like again, Frog? Um, just remind me of that too. I can't remember now, but... It's basically this. It's three notes though, isn't it? Bum, 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 bum. bum. <laughs> just that. No, it was bum, bum, bum. Oh, it just goes on and on. It's just like I loved it. I a, loved it. To I me, mean, to me, right? Do you know the you know the opening, say five minutes of Big Trouble in Little China, where you get to see Chinatown, and it's basically just him driving his truck, and that score is like repeating. To me, the first half an hour of the film just felt like that. So oh, I quite, I quite enjoyed it. I, I completely understand why some why Adam didn't and why other people might not, but yeah, I didn't mind it at all. It's just I find it like it's just I, sorry, I was just trying to find the um, little clip of it then, just to play on you while we're talking. But like, this has got to be it. Oh my god! Get ready for like seven hours of that, guys, because it's just that on a fucking loop. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm all for like. Strip back, like I love the score for Assault on Precinct 13, especially I love the one for Halloween. I love John Carpenter's very simplistic scores, but that one, no, no. It's like, do you know, like when you used to play video games when you were younger and you'd pause the game and you had that really horrible, repetitive loop song on the pause screen? That's what they live is like. It's just that. It's fucking crunching. Uh, for me, it, it was like literally the first 10 minutes. You know, that bit, like I mentioned, when he was just walking around looking for a job and then he gets a job and then he goes to the camp. And then it's sort of like, you know, starts kicking in then what the plot is. But I, I was I was willing to forgive that slow start because there was an element of trying to build who he is as a character and what's happening. I was more intrigued. I wanted to know where the film was going to go. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I know the plot and I, I knew, I don't know, probably 75% of what happens in the film. But yeah, so I was really intrigued to how they were going to do it. But uh, so that that brings me on to my favorite aspect, which is the concept or the or the plot, and it, it you know it's straight out of a you know early science fiction movie. You know, I'm talking like fifties or sixties, maybe potentially even earlier. But like you know that sort of era, um, it <laughs> reminded me of. Um, Bart versus the Space Mutants, you know, the, the NES game. They was probably on other oh, consoles yeah. as well. But same yeah, concept, yeah. Bart put on a bloody pair of goggles or glasses and he was able to see it. It probably, you know, had inspiration from this film. So, yeah, that, that, that's my con- that's my favourite aspect anyway, is, um, you know, the, the plot. Never put this in a movie today. But the bit to a bank of a shotgun and it's just full on blowing people down. You could never put that in a film today, even though they are aliens he's killing. Still, I think the just the imagery alone, studios would be like, fuck no, are you putting this in your movie? But I love that scene. I love, obviously, the fight between him and Keith David. Um, 
yeah, so my mine is just the action scenes, really. I know that sounds like a really shallow answer, but um, like, the, the, the bank scene, you know, when he shoots the guy direct, I think it's the first guy he shoots when he goes in there and he's like quite yeah. close to the wall and it just splatters behind him. I was a bit like, whoa, and you're right, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily see that level of blood and gore in the modern film. It's all right, though, they were aliens. Well, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And isn't that quite strange? I was thinking about this earlier. Like, if you were one of the humans in the bank and you saw someone who just walked in with a shotgun and just started, you know, t- and taking people out, you'd be like, fuck. You know, because yeah, but- they have no um, idea of what's going on. I'd love to see that film, though, from, from one of the bank, one of the human bank people's perspective. Because then, you know, if the police arrested Roddy, um, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and he's just like, I'm just killing the aliens. Because just, you just have more looking at him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm only killing the aliens. Well, that's one aspect of the film I wanted to see a bit more of. You know, he, um, he robs a bank, or he doesn't rob a bank, but he goes in, he kills people in a bank, he kills some people elsewhere, and then it's, he kidnaps Evil Lynn from uh, Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just all of a sudden, the police are after him, they got photos of him. So on and so forth, and yeah. it, it's just I I would have liked that bit to be explored a bit more, possibly you know maybe from a police point of view that you know they've got CCTV or whatever. But again, this is the eighties. I, I did wonder, you know, would they have uh, been able to do that? Uh, my favorite aspect is John Carpenter. I do I do enjoy some of the art. Keith David. I think he's, I think he's great. Whenever I see him in a film, I'm like, oh. He's always going to be good. You know he's going to be good. I think Roddy Piper is decent as well. I like the fact that they don't give him that much dialogue. It's all sort of just on how he walks or acts. I think that was a clever choice. Like, he's supposed to be this silent, you know, quiet man just observing in the beginning. It's John, it's John Carpenter and his love for Westerns, isn't it? Because he always, he, always, he always cherry picks out those Western archetypes like that. I am going to say one thing, though, and I said this to Adam a couple of times when we were watching it. Can you imagine Kurt Russell in that role? Well, he was supposedly tipped for it, wasn't it? And I think that film would have been heightened massively with him in yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Roddy Piper. Like, he was one of my favourite wrestlers growing up. And I do think he does a decent job. But if Kurt Russell was in it, it just I think it would have been even better. Do you know how he got Roddy Piper in the film? John Carpenter. I know he saw him, was it one of the WrestleManias? Yeah, something? he went to watch WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 3, John Carpenter did. He was a bit of a wrestling fan and he was just like, you're going to be in my movie. And that's how we all came up. <laughs> because Vince McMahon didn't want him to take the role, did he? I don't know the reasoning behind that. And then they had a big falling out and that's why he left WWF for a little while. Oh, fuck Vinny. Fuck, fuck Vinny, Mark. Sorry, Brock. I, I, I stepped on you. Oh, yeah, no, sorry, Brock. No, my, I was just going to say my main favourite aspect of the film is John Carpenter. I just like I just like his willingness to try different things. Like yeah. if you look at his filmography, don't get me wrong, I know he I know he sort of stays in certain genres, horror or sci-fi, but he does do different types of horror films or different types of science fiction films. I and, I've I've always admired that about him. I I gotta be honest, right? I I I don't like the eighties much. Of, aside aside from the beginning of the eighties, obviously with like the thing and Christine, 
which are two of my favorite films by him. This Escape from New York 80s is that 80s as well? Escape yeah. from New York was the 70s. Okay, so I'll say those three, right? I say from like from like the mid 80s onwards, I'm not a massive fan of his stuff after that. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, I, I don't mind. I, I like Starman, that's a good film, but it's not like one I need to watch, if you know what I mean. Like, like I don't love Starman, I like it, but it's just like not one I would watch again and again and again, if you know what I mean. Thing is, though, I, I, John Carpenter will go down as one of my favorite directors because he's made three of my favorite films. He's made The Thing, Halloween, and Big uh, Trouble in Little China. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ghost of Mars. Why would I say that? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just one of those ones, isn't it, though? Right? Also, I'll say this about John Carpenter, right? For the most part, if you look at the films he did, if, if other directors had done them, they would have been B-movies. They would not have had any impact or lasting legacy. I don't think they would have gone anywhere. John Carpenter makes them, and he elevates the film. They're still B-movies. He's still making B-movies, but they don't look like B-movies, or they don't feel like B-movies. They feel better than that. And even with They Live, yes, it's got its flaws, when I was watching it, I didn't feel like I was watching a B movie, even though it is a B movie. Here's a here's a question for you, right? And answer honestly. Let's just say the thing is that they live is exactly they live is exactly the same, shot for shot, same actors, same script. Everything's identical, but someone else directed it. Do you think people would still talk about it today? Well, no, because it wouldn't be done the same. No, no, no. I'm just pretend now. It's all exactly the same. This is a hypothetical world now, but John Carpenter's name isn't on it. Do you still think people would still? Because I don't think people would talk about it anymore. I think it would be forgotten. I think. I don't think. I don't think it would be forgotten. What you're What you're asking is an impossible question. Because if someone else directed it, it wouldn't be the same film. I, I just have this feeling that like, it just, I don't hate the film. I just find it. I just find it bang average, David. I just find really middle of the road. I know, I know what you're saying. You think it's John Carpenter's name that's elevating it, but you could, like, John Carpenter's name doesn't elevate all of his films, does it? Well, kind of. I mean, people wouldn't talk about Ghosts of Mars ever again if it was with John Carpenter's name on it. I'll say that I, right now. I, I think with this film, what you've got is you've got this outlandish concept coupled with John Carpenter, and while it doesn't completely pay off in terms of being a brilliant film it does it is greater than the sum of its parts so people do remember it for both of those things and and the 27 minute street fight we'll come on to that but <laughs> yeah. I, I can see where adam's coming from right i think the john carpenter name probably helped it yeah get, get through the studio you know but when they're saying that, he wrote it, he didn't write it under his name, did he? He wrote it under a pen name. The other thing I'll say, right, I, 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 I do understand what you're saying, and there is some validity to it, but the other thing is, right, he didn't have a good 80s. Well, he did he have a good 80s. No, 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 no. Looking back, he had a good 80s. But at oh, the time, yeah. at the time, most of the films he released in the 80s were flops or didn't do much money. To say that he was a big name then, I don't think is he was a big name. Like he would like John Carpenter was on like Letterman and stuff. He was always on like he, he himself would go on to Letterman as a guest whenever one is he was a big name in movies. Like yeah, but know? he didn't his name didn't open a film, did it? It wasn't like Spielberg. 
he, yeah, not, yeah, but for the different crowd he was, like the horror fans, yeah. He, he was, the thing is, Hal, I know, I know the thing is your one, right? But Halloween just completely put him, Halloween is like the Star Wars of horror movies, right? It is just like, yeah, no, so I yeah. massive. If you, I mean, I know the thing was, is revered now, but, and I, and I love the thing, like, I, I prefer Halloween to the thing, but that's, but I still love them both. But like, you know, it's just, he could, he, he could make anything he wanted to basically, but I think he just kind of wanted to make Westerns and stuff, but like the studios, I was like, nope, you have to make horror films. We'll only give you yeah. money for horror films. But what, but what I'm saying is, right, I know, don't get me wrong, I know he was famous, I know he was well known as a director, but after the thing bombed, and the thing bombed, right, he didn't have a great deal of success with his films. Commercial. Not in the box office, anyway. No. So what I'm saying is, is while his name was attributed to They Live, that doesn't mean that his name sold the film. See, I, I reckon, like, the beginning of the 80s, he's, like, not financially, but, like, but, like, if you look at the beginning of the 80s, Escape from New York, The Thing, and Christine, that's just hit after hit after hit there. And then, I like, Starman's good, but Starman's more of, like, a I'm sorry film, and that's him just being, like, I'm that's sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry about the thing. thing. I'm sorry I made the thing. I'm sorry. Because E.T. came out at the same time, and everyone everyone was, like, pissed off when he made a horror alien film, when E.T. came out, didn't they? And yeah. I'm sorry, but I'd fucking rather watch The Thing on E.T. any day of the week, because... Fuck me. The thing is just beyond better than ET. I still like ET, by the way. But it's not beyond better, but let's not go. Let's well, not, let's not I, be stupid. Yeah. The, only, the only thing I can remember from ET is when he's in the river. I can, oh, remember, I can, I can remember everything from the thing. One of the most iconic images in film of him flying across the moon, and all you can remember is ET in a river. Oh, yeah, that's from ET. The Amblin logo. Oh, get stuffed. <laughs> I, I forgot that until you just mentioned it. No, ET is like. It's okay. It's a, it's a, it's okay and stuff, but like, it's just not the thing. You know what I mean? E.T. has got the greatest ten minutes of music any film has ever had. What's that bit now? The ending, where they're where they're escaping and going to the woods, how, and E.T. is going home. How does it end? Does he die at the end, E.T. or does he go on the ship? How does he? How does it end? Spoilers. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna warrant this with a response. I don't remember how it ends. I mean, you star, you know, the, the Death Star, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. And and then they have a party with some um, Ewoks. I love how Adam doesn't remember the film, but the thing is miles better than E.T. <laughs> it is doing it. Come on. It is better. The thing is way better than E.T. Well, I saw both at the same time. Both of them are in my top five films ever, so I'm not going to... Uh... What is the end of E.T.? What happens at the end? Don't he goes home. Don't he goes home. That's the line. E.T. go home. E.T. phone home, you melon. Oh, I fucking know. Why. I haven't seen him for good. <laughs> One of the most iconic films ever. <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh, like. fuck. Is E.T. the one? It's just it's a fucking little... It's just a little fucking alien in the UK. It's about E.T. Like, the fucking thing is just, like, people... Dogs becoming dogs coming apart and, like, turning into fucking guts and stuff everywhere. It's fast. Oh, look at Adam trying to put his cool hat on for the cool kids. Oh, but you know, like e. like any of them listen to this. Let's have a look. E.T. Okay. Well, I, I probably am going to draw the eye of some listener. I was like, I remember E.T. 
But don't, like, oh, oh, listeners, don't worry, I'm going to give him enough as it is. What I was going to say, though, about John Carpenter is the irony is all three of us probably have a different favourite film by him. I, I just realised something, actually. I, I, I'd use another reason to, like, to slag on E.T. as well. If E.T. is the reason the thing failed at the box office, E.T. fucked John Carpenter's career. So I officially don't like E.T. because of that. Well, you were, saying that you were saying that John Carpenter didn't ful- fulfil his career. Because of E.T., yeah. Because of E.T. and the fucking waddled into the fucking box office and had that bit where he was in a river dying everywhere. The thing, if it had come out like a year after, the thing would have done better and and people wouldn't have whinged about an Ireland alien film. Well, isn't, and, hang on a minute, isn't that, the stu- isn't that the studio's fault for thinking, oh, hang on a minute, Warner Brothers got E.T. coming out, maybe we'll delay our science fiction film for a while. Or was it E.T.'s fault? I would have delayed E.T. I would have been like, oh, Spielberg, sorry, but... I would have delayed E.T. for a bit and had the thing come out first. They're not going to delay a Spielberg film, are they, you melt? I know, but, you know, I know which one's more talked about today, and it's the thing. People like the thing. I, I, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> I, I, I've had you back for some of this ad, but I don't know if I can... Um, oh, come on, like, that one. Okay, you know, I'm not... I can't... Okay, not slagging E.T. now, but more people like the thing than E.T., surely. Well, they don't, but... No, because I think more people have nostalgia and... And eat whatever for ET. I still think the thing is still, I, I still class it as a bit of a, a cult classic. The problem you'll have with the thing, right? And you know, you boys know how much I love the thing. I love it. But the problem you'll have with the thing is people who don't like horror are not going to watch the thing. Whereas everyone would watch ET. What if you don't like sci fi? It doesn't matter. People, doesn't who don't like, people who don't like science fiction would watch ET. Yeah, but with it's about an alien. Yeah, but it's, it's about a boy befriending an alien. It's about a friendship. It's not about. It's not necessarily about the alien uh, itself. I don't know. It sounds like it's copying Mark and me, to be honest. <laughs> but more importantly, it's a family film. So chances are people watched it where, as a kid. Yeah. or watched it with their I, family. I saw it as a kid, right? But it was it was one of those ones. I was always a bit like, I was right, like um. Never I tell you what, Ad, sometimes you say stuff and I just re- I just remember how much of a sheltered life you've lived. What's wrong with not liking E.T.? Like, I well, it's not that. No, no, it's not that you don't like E.T. You, you can, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm not going to try and change your mind. I don't, don't like, I don't even dislike it's it. When you, it's when you say stuff like, oh, more people like the thing than E.T. I just can't see how someone could like E.T. Uh, E.T. more than the thing. Because, like, E.T. is just like, you just said it yourself. There's a bit, you know, he comes down to earth, right? Let me just describe E.T. to everyone now. He comes down to earth. Oh, the boy who can't remember the film is going to describe the film. Right, go on, then. You're me out the guy, right? He comes down, this is what it sounds like to me, right? He comes down to earth. He wants to fucking fawn on whatever. There's 10 minutes of music somewhere for some reason. Then he fucking gets in a river. But he goes home. And there's a moon, and there's a bit of a moon on a bike. Thing is just like fucking everywhere. And it's like dogs opening up and like, you're like, who the fuck is, who's the thing now and stuff? It's like, there's so much paranoia going on in the thing and stuff. And it's the special effects of class and all that as well. Here's the winning, here's the uh, way to win the argument, the smoking gun, Kurt Russell. Yeah, right, okay. So you're saying that you can't have two films be different? No, I'm only comparing these two films now because this, because E.T. ruined John Carpenter's career. It didn't though. It did. It came out, and then no one liked the fingers of it. Have we done ET on this podcast yet? No. I think we should do ET. I think uh, 
We, we can park this conversation. I tell you the problem with you doing ET is that you've got it in your head now that you're not going to like it. So you won't hey, like it because you're stubborn as fuck. That's why. Stubborn as fuck. But if it's good, it's good. I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I know what you're rating. I know what your rating for ET is going to be anyway. Already a six out of 10. Okay. Well, you know, well, the things are 10 out of 10. So, you know, could it be an 11? But uh, I'll watch, if we do ET for this podcast, I'll watch it again and uh, give you my two cents on it. I might, I might, you know, I, well, I just remember him in the river floating around. That's the only bit I can remember is him in the river. I think, I think if you rewatched it, you'd be surprised how short that scene of him in the river is. <laughs> it's the only bit I can remember. He's in the river. <laughs> He's in the river for like 10 seconds. That's all I can remember is the bit when the kid, look, when the kid looks over a bush and sees him in the river. Like this. Wait a minute now. Are you getting this confused with bingo? You want no. the kids in the river in that bit? No, no. It's, it's, oh, it's, not. it's definitely eating a river, but... <laughs> I don't him. remember the E.T. river bit. I will remember. It. Will it. For, the, for the viewers, it's, it's going to be my back. Fuck me. That's a horrible image, actually. No wonder I remember it. Jesus Christ. He looks like a pepper army. <laughs> Wait, do you see this? It's going to come up my background screen now. Ah. Yeah, it's not nice, is it? I wonder if I can remember. He looks a bit like he's made out of salami. You look at the skin, the white, the white papery skin you get in a salami sausage you see in the supermarket. Look, people right now tuning in, they might just think this is they're like, why has Adam got a picture of a salami in a river? It's not as ET. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame you can't recenter that image somehow, isn't it? I know. Um, sorry, Andrew. I've we've waffled on a bit here. <laughs> Let's bring it back to um whatever film we're doing. They live. <laughs> And let's talk about favourite scene. I'll start, and I think it's the most iconic scene in the film, and it's when he first puts on the glasses. Right, okay. So it's when he's walking round. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say um, I love every aspect about it, because I've got one or two questions about it, but I, I, yeah, that that introduction to this different world, I I did really enjoy it. The fact that, you know, through the glasses, it's all grey, and there's all these, um, you know, messages everywhere. But, uh, do you do you, uh, do you want to counter that ad with uh, what you said about that scene? I was waiting for changes to get into this, but I do. Okay, I like the fact that season with aliens. I find the I find the um, the messages like obedience of a bit too hammy. I think I reckon it would have been better if they were just everything else was the same except we saw people as aliens because I just think I, it's a bit too. Like, I I did know. say though, and I agree with you. See, the the point of him putting on the glasses. Is that he then sees how obvious it is. So yeah. the billboards being that like plain as day once he's got the glasses, but they're subliminal when he takes off the glasses. That's the point of that scene. But I, I think Adam said the other night that he just found it too heavy handed. Yeah, it's just a bit like the Alan. I, I get like what is, I get the message and stuff, but I just think the message could have still been, it still could have been. It's still, the film could have still had the same message and not been as like down your throat with the actual text messages on the like as branded like obey and this yeah. is your well, God. Well, this is stuff. one thing I wanted to ask you guys because I don't think it's one bit of the film. Or it's one aspect of the film I think they, they could have delved a little bit more into. So all those messages are supposed to be subliminal messages. I, I that's what I read into it. Yeah. So you know, consume this, buy this, but why? Is it because the aliens are the, behind all those companies that are supposedly selling it? Yeah. But then they get more money, get richer, blah, blah, blah. Is that, is, is that well, it? So the, there's a line in the film 
about the aliens see Earth as their third world, as their developing country. So they're going in and they're reaping the benefits of all, you know, the money or minerals or all this. And the way to keep actual Earth human beings uh, away from knowing what's going on is to like propagandize the what they're selling them, you know. Oh, it's, like a lot of the a lot of the captions say stay asleep, don't they? So as in don't don't uh, don't be knowing what's going on. Uh, don't wake up to what's happening. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I, I I don't know. It struck a chord with me that 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 bit. The only question I have is he puts on the glasses and he looks around for like a few minutes and whatever, but it takes him ages to actually spot an alien where he's walking down a main street. And I thought, you know, and I was just like, oh, wouldn't he have seen it before then? But again, this is a film world, so I don't even question it too much. I, I just reckon, right, that if they had removed the message that obey and consume and stuff, which I, I get what the film's doing, but I think that the very fact that the aliens are the police and stuff would have still got that point across. And the fact that they control television would have still conveyed that message about this sort of, like, this outer, these, this, this outer world sort of like force controlling society. I reckon, and I reckon it would have been a bit more, you know, like um, it, it would have been a bit like less. It would, I, I think, it being a bit more cryptic and a, like, you know, a bit more of a hidden message would have been a bit strong, made it a bit stronger. And I, it just comes off as a bit corny to me. That was my vibe from it. My favorite scene is the bank scene. Say the line. I, I just love that scene. I love his line. I love his dialogue. I th- say the line. <laughs> I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. You improvise that. You know just, that? A, just a note to uh, you boys as well. My Xbox sign-in is actually John Nada 88. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, he improvised that line, apparently, as well. He just turned up... He, he just come up with that on the spot probably from cutting all those wwe promos yeah and again like like you said he just starts blowing him away and because of what's happened in the film previously it's like it's that moment isn't it it's that turning point in the film where it just starts kicking off yeah that's when the film gets good that's when it, it, it gets it gets interesting then um right. i i like that scene so i i'm not going to say anything like bad against the scene itself the, the question I have, and I was going to bring this up in changes, but I'll do it now. Is the potential change in character or his, or the, or his mannerisms or, or just him in general, I suppose. Whereas before all this, he's a bit of a watcher. He's an observer. He watches everything. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. Or maybe he does talk about waiting, you know, waiting for something to happen in America. But it's just the change in character. Then all of a sudden, he's this quite reserved and quite measured individual. And then all of a sudden, he comes out with that line. What I, the, only, the, the way I excuse it, and of course, uh, I think it's left to your own imagination, really, because I, and I actually like this aspect of the film, is that they never say where he's from. All they do is show him coming into the city. Yeah looking for work. He doesn't talk a lot. So while I agree with you, the first 40 minutes, you've seen him as this quiet, observant character, and then a switch is flicked. And 
I can completely understand why some people would see that as a bit of a jolt, you know, too much of a leap. But I, I buy it because I'm like, you don't know what he was like before. Yeah. All you've seen is like 48 hours of him so far. Like you haven't seen the, what's happened before those 48 hours. So you don't know if he was a, yeah, if he had a violent streak where he originally came from and that's why he moved towns. Yeah, beat his wife. Well, he has a ring on his finger, but nothing is mentioned, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. but but also, yeah. yeah. Look, he's just seen something that is likely to fuck up most people's minds. So yeah. I, I I I excused it as well. I will admit, but I, I did notice that it was you know quite a change in this quite measured individual, and then he's spouting out about bubblegum. It's like Adam's question about the dog and it had. If would you would you want this to happen to you or not happen to you? And he said, if a dog turned round and said, no one will ever believe you. And no, the dog this wasn't said, the dog. This was Toy Story. And he said it about no, a toy, no, no. wasn't it? I did no, say no, that. He, but... he said it to me about a dog, first of all. All ah, right. I said to Prog, what would you do if you were sat down one day and a dog just turned around and said to you, no one will ever believe this. And then, like in that voice, and I just continued, and never talked ever again. I just continue to be a dog. What could you do? What could you do? You I tell you what you would see me doing, talking to that dog. Yeah, say it again. Say it again. But you look like an nuts and end, don't you, forever? If people just think you're an nuts oh, I'd have to get rid of it. If he, if he <laughs> then chose ne- never to speak to me again, after a couple of weeks, I'd be like, ah, oh, you got to go. You would you take him to the pub? Well, take, take him up. Uh, i take him to a farm. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. The farm. Said, what dog? What dog have you got, Andrew? A beagle. A beagle, yeah. What's your beagle's name? Monty. I, I, do you know, I, I actually thought you were going to say beagle then. Like, you had a beagle named Beagle. I don't know why, but I thought that would... <laughs> <laughs> you know why? But I was like, is he going to say... I hope he says beagle, because I think that's a great name for a beagle. A beagle. <laughs> uh, but if, if I'm Monty turned around and again, no one will, will believe this. And then just went, then just continue being a dog forever. Uh, yeah, I might have to get rid of him. And, yeah. and Andrew's got the chubbiest beagle you've seen, but oh, I tell you a story about him. Took him for a walk this morning, and we're in the middle of a heat wave within within um, the UK, and um, yeah, so we took him to for a walk relatively early. He then stepped on a thorn or something, and he couldn't walk home, and he literally yep. wouldn't he wouldn't put his paw on the fo- on on the ground. And so I had to carry him back from the, the park, literally, right? He's about 25 kilos. He's a lump. And, um, yeah, I was knackered and sweating buckets after. He's 25 kilos? Well, maybe a bit less, but at his, at his heaviest, he was 25 kilos, yeah. And, Andrew, because the viewers will love a dog, I think you should put a picture of the dog on screen right now. Uh, oh, just I, don't, to kind of... I don't think I got one. Just well, on. Rachel's got a picture of your dog on that family wall of yours. Oh, the yeah. wall's down. You have gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you ripped that down. But after the dog spoke to him, he just ripped that wall down. <laughs> what I like about Andrew as well is that he always blames Rach for the dog being fat. No, well, in the dog's <laughs> defence, right, he's been on a diet ever since we've had him. Um, but his mum was quite... Uh, um, he was an effort. He's, he's not necessarily fat. He's, like, big structured. So if you put him yeah. next to a normal... Oh, the big boned excuse, I love well, it. No, 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 he is. He is. Because we take him to the vet, and the vet said he's fine. You know, I can see, you can clearly see his ribs. Yes, he's heavy. But if you, like, measured him, like, length and height and things, 
He's bigger than a normal beagle. He's like he's like a tree, isn't he? Uh, basically, right. He's supposed to be um, like a kennel club registered proper beagle. He's probably not. He's probably like crossed with some fucking Great Dame or Saint Bernard or when whatever say, the dogs are called. When you say he's um, he's sort of like big boned. I kind of get this image. Like I don't know why. <laughs> Like, being like this. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he's in his bulking stage, his bodybuilder. <laughs> what's, what's happened to this? Someone superimposed the dog's head on top of a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. That's Andrew's dog, everyone. <laughs> Andrew's dog. He, he walks in the house and Andrew's dog is just sitting in the armchair with his legs crossed. I don't know. That's one probably. dumbbell curling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking I could get that picture. It's like the muscle dog on him. <laughs> <laughs> on Google and like some of the pictures are fucking horrific on you. I gotta be honest. What is muscle it? dog. He's doing muscle beagle. Nah. Fat What's beagle? your favorite scene then, Ad? Oh, you know. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah. Come on, what is it? Um, my favorite. Um, my favorite scene is definitely the fight between them. Um, um uh, obviously, um, Keith David and uh, Rowdy Roddy, and also I love the fact he pop he pops a wrestling move in there as well. Because of jackknife or something, and then he just uh, well, there's a, there's a couple of like prop you know, the way he fights is a hundred percent wrestling, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, I just got a picture of Andrew's dog in the background. No, keeps that's not far off. No, <laughs> get off. <laughs> Andrew had to carry that home the other day. <laughs> what you don't realize is Andrew took the dog for the walk, but he took him in the bean bag and <laughs> <to> drag him. <laughs> I felt like a writing muppet as well, carrying my dog home this morning. Saw my neighbour and must have thought, oh, who's this chump? There he is. That dog. Next time, take a wheelbarrow over, but that's what he wants. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, favourite scene, definitely keep David uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. The fight scene is just iconic and it? it's, it's a great scene. See, I like I like all that. That section of the film is what I like. I like that section. Uh, I think that part of the film is all great, but I just think it just... It, it, it peaks in the middle for me. It's a weird one, Big Levis. It just goes on too long, though. Yeah, but that's why I love it. Because you think it's going to end, film. and then it just happens. One of them chins the other one again. You yeah, I like the song over a, It has about nine false dawn or false endings. Yeah, I love the I love the actual ending, though. Like, you know the actual bit when, like, you see um when you see what's called that guy. Hang on a minute. I gotta say this. It has more endings than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like I love the bit though when um I love the scene when like the woman finishes banging um a prostitute finishes banging one of her customers and then you get that they live early and be like, What's wrong, baby? I, I love oh, I right, think, that's right at the end of the film. I, I, I the think very that's very end scene, isn't it? I think that's a great final image. I think I, I can't eighties <laughs> boobs, a final image. I just think I just love that I just love to see the be like, what's wrong, baby? Like it just ends. I, I think that's I think that's a stroke of genius. Look, so see the film does have good points going on for it, but um, you know, I'm gutted Keith da uh, Keith David dies though. Frank yeah, dies. but in a really weird way though, because you, you don't really see him die. Do you know what I mean? No, but the gunshot goes off when the cut happens, so that's you know he's dead. I know, but it's a bit it's weird. But then obviously Piper dies as well, doesn't he? So. Yeah, I didn't expect that, I will admit. He sacrificed himself. I mean, yeah. It, it should have been um, Kurt Russell and Keith David. It would have been the thing reunion movie that would have been. It yeah. would have cemented them. It, and it could have led to like other body, other budding roles afterwards as well. Well, they good. were the lethal weapon we never got, weren't they? Yeah. I was thinking, no, I, I, I'm sorry, but but I, 
you can't take Danny Glover and Mel Gibson off me. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, in terms of they could have had, like, a buddy cop thing or they could have, like, been a duo in films going Who's, on. I tell you what, quick question for you guys. Who's your favourite buddy partnership in a movie? Like, like your budding, budding roles or whatever. Oh, Arnie and Danny DeVito. All right. I know I'm missing someone, but I that's, that was my instinct then. Mine's first... I'm going to say my first choice is um, uh, obviously um, Mel. Yeah, Mel and Ma- Mel and Glover. I'd love. Well, I would two. imagine it was Mel and whoever was next to him with you. But you got like Richard Pryor and um, Richard Pryor and uh, Gene Wilder. Do, do, do we have? Does it have to be like a buddy cop, or can it be any? But just any, a partnership. Any, oh, John any. Candy and um, Dan Aykroyd. Wow. Over um, over Steve Martin. Yeah. Here's, here's one I loved, and I wish there was more movies of them both. Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone. Tango and Cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mate, tell me about that's like that film is just a masterwork of like buddy cop. I, I am a fan of um Kurt Russell and Dennis Dunn though. Which one's that? Big Trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. I love Big Trouble. Yeah. There's there's lo- there's, there's loads of examples, but like yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of modern day ones now, isn't it? Uh, like obviously the big one now is um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and um, Kevin Hart. Oh, I got one. Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. What okay. film? What film is that from? Is that Hunt for Red October? No, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. God, there's another one I haven't seen. Hunt for Red October. I don't think you've ever seen it. What am I on about? <laughs> Sean Connery's in Hunt for Red October. That's what I'm thinking. But like, God, I, I. If you would, I, God, I haven't seen those films at all, really, since, since I was a little kid as well. Indiana Jones is another franchise. Brother to brother. Can we do twins again? Ah, twins is brilliant. <laughs> Great film. Um, let's move on to changes. I've mentioned a couple already. I think that that fight does go on far too long for me. Um, the um, the fact that he doesn't see the aliens on that sh- shot that I really like is, is another issue. Um, there's a lot of brooding in the film from <laughs> Roddy Piper, but um, <laughs> that's that's fine. But in fairness, though, there's a lot of good toothpick action with him, though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> it is, especially in that first like 15 20 minutes yeah. when he's just trying to work everything out. The, the biggest issue I have is his daddy's little boy speech. You know that that dialogue where it's um he's talking to Frank, I think. Right. And uh, I I just found it really corny, and I think I switched off halfway through it as well. Do you know the one? I can't remember. It's pulling out my mind now. I only watched it like two nights ago. I think I think I got this right. The location wise, I think him and Frank are in the um in the motel room. They've just had the fight, and he then gives the speech about. Yep. How his dad brought yep. him up in a certain way. Yep, I remember that bit. It was fucking stupid. I agree. I think the the problem with it being corny is that like, and I like, and I love, I love Brody. He was a great wrestler, cool guy, but he was a great actor. Let's just be real right now. And I think if Kurt Russell was playing that role, he would have brought some, he would have brought something better to it. If you know what I mean, like, because this is my problem. This this is my overall problem. Keith David is acting circles around Brody Piper in this film, and it does show sometimes. Yeah, it does really show you a bit like it's the thing in this. If you have a brilliant actor up against an also brilliant actor, 
it's it worse because you really start seeing like, oh man, like one of them is bad. And like, yeah, but overall, I think that's why they do well not to give John Nader a lot of dialogue, the character a lot of dialogue. It would have been cooler if they had swapped the roles and made Keith David the main guy and Roddy Rod Piper the Keith David character, maybe? Yeah, I I agree with that in large parts, but I'm always going to defend Roddy Piper because he came up with the chewing gum line. I, I know, I would like, he's good and all that, but like, I'd rather sacrifice that one line for a better. Oh! How sorry. Because that, that scene lasts for four seconds, but the rest of the film feels like it lasts for four hours. No. I am with you, boys. Though there are there are things wrong with the film, but they they're all like little details. Overall, I I liked and enjoyed the film. So, aside from what you've mentioned, I don't know if there's anything I really would change. It's just the pacing. That's my overall change. Is the pacing just like, oh, just just cut it down. Like make it like make a seventy minute movie. Who cares? Just like get it shorter. Like and the and the soundtrack as well, never. Hate that soundtrack. I know it's Carpenter, but I just hate the soundtrack to it. It is fucking heading. I would rather listen. I would rather sit in a room for ten hours with Police Academy on loop. Oh no, you would that because I hate the Veilive soundtrack. It's just I know music subjective, and right, right now uh, there could be someone listening to this who loves They Live and they think the soundtrack's a masterpiece. I don't care. I don't like it. Bam. Well, I, I I quite like the soundtrack, so it didn't just, do you know it didn't spoil my enjoyment. But I get what you're saying, yeah. Just just my opinion, the song. In, in fairness, Obek, you did say after five minutes that that repetitive motif was getting on your nerves. So it's not like you were half an hour into the film, you were like, "What are they doing?" You yeah. said it within five minutes, so I knew I knew it was going to annoy me because I remember I remember that I remember the score annoying me when I was younger as well, just being like, "Oh." It's a shame because I love I love his other scores. In yeah. fact, I, I listen to his other scores, um, like on Spotify. Sometimes I, I actually put them on and listen to the scores because I love his music so much. I just do not like that one because I I didn't mind the score because it actually reminded me of Big Trouble in Little China. I'm not a fan of that film, so I, you know, I should have jumped. I should have been on the podcast for that one. No, we're we're kind of glad you weren't, to be honest with. Or because I would have turned you around with him. No, because we had a loving, we had a love fest with that film when we, uh, we were hey, I... kicking you out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's just big trouble in Little China. It's just one of those ones I've never, ever seen the appeal of. I just, I, I just, it's just one of those ones I just never clicked in with. We could have just removed you halfway through the podcast, and Andrew could have just gone. Adam has had to be removed for controversial comments regarding the film. It's just, I, I don't know what it is with Big Trouble in Little China, because I, I always remember when I was a kid, I, I remember my mate had a video of it, and he and he was like, oh, this it was rated 15. I was like, oh, what's, the, what's that? And the thing that caught my, no pun intended, my eye the most, was the two eyeballs of Uzis on the front cover. I was like, I've got to watch this. And like even when I was a kid, I was always a bit like, oh, this is a bit boring. And then I tried watching it when I was older, and I've just never been able to snap into it. The, the, the dialogue in that film is on, is on another level, I think. It's just amazing. It's John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, like a like a commercial arts themed action movie, and I don't like it. I just cannot get on board with that film at all. It's one of those weird mysteries. It should. It's got all the ingredients of a film I would like, but it just does not work for me at all. Weird. I've even got it on Blu-ray, but I, it's, I, it's one of those I've always wanted to like. Yeah. 
We need to. You need to watch it again. But we need to get you in the right mood. Maybe have a little massage beforehand. I've watched some scented candles. I've watched it as a kid to have the nostalgia factor to it. Still didn't like it. Watched it as a teenager. Still didn't like it. Uh, Just it's just you know. Maybe when I'm about ninety or something, I'll watch it. When you when you're low pans age, you like it then. Yeah, I'll be like ninety seven on a deathbed. I'll watch it. I'll just go like that before I die. All right, that was. I was all right. That was six out of ten. All right, all right. like that's that's the end. <laughs> Your final act of being alive was watching Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah, it's like a <laughs> right. A couple of final question um, things from me. Um, Meg Foster, who plays what's her name? I can't remember her name. The lady Holly. kidnaps um, Holly. Yeah, she was also evil Lynn, as I mentioned earlier in Masters of the Universe. Yeah. She was 40 in this film. And I think I, I I look at her and I think, oh my god, she looks so much older. But I think it's the style <laughs> of her hair and things. <laughs> it's, it's all, this this composition always comes up, doesn't it? Why do we I'm fascinated by it. Wait, the fact that sure, Andrew, so don't, don't Prog, don't tell him and Andrew, don't Google it. How old is Rowdy Roddy Piper in this film, and? Oh, he's probably like 29 or something, is he? Like a 30. How, first off, how old do you think he looks? Oh, like, like 45, 50. Easy. 34. 30. <laughs> he was 34 in this, but he uh, looks older than all of us. He looks like he could be any of our dads in this. <laughs> he's 34. He's wild, isn't he? This is one of those weird things. I, I tell you, right, we, we need to do Cocoon soon because the guy in that is 52. And what's his name? Is it John... Brimley or whatever his name is. Oh, the one who's in uh, the thing. Is that his name? What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Br- it's definitely Brimley. Hang on a minute. Uh, Wilford Brimley. Yeah, Wilford Brimley. He's 52 in Cocoon. The same age as bloody Paul Rudd at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is with Wilfred Brimley, he looked that age for about 40 years. <laughs> he did, he didn't age. Fucking hell, are you for real? That guy's 52 in that film. He is. He's like, Jesus Christ alive. And, and so this whole topic about how people looked older back then, yeah, it just fries my brain. So every time I come across a new example of this, I've got to tell someone, did you know? <laughs> I love it. Mate, uh, that is fucking wild. Like, Jesus Christ. He's like the old vamp, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he's like he's like your grandfather or even potentially a great-grandfather. So bringing it back to uh, Meg Foster and why are we talking about appearances, do you think her, her eye colour oh, is quite freaky at times to look at? Yes. She's like absolutely piercing ice blue eyes, isn't she? Do you remember um, Terra Hawks? Yeah. She, who does she remind you of in that? Well, I only know one character, and that's Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she reminded me of Zelda. Only because of the uh, ten-yard stay. Well, I, I, I tell you another one, right? Google her now. Meg Foster, her name is. Meg Foster today. Yeah. It's a 20, 20, 20, Oh, but... Now uh, she looks like Zelda. But do you know um, I typed in Meg Foster? I'm telling you, laptops are listening, boys. I typed in Meg Foster, and the first option was eyes. I think it's because it's a very it's a very sort like 
because when I first watched it, I was always like, whoa, what's up with her eyes? Like, she does look like a, she looks like a supervillain, to be honest. i got to be honest. The thing is, she's not a bad-looking woman. It's just she's got a freaky stare. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's I, I, I wonder if you just coloured in her eyes, like, brown, whether she, yeah, she just looked normal. Like, her, her eye, right, I, don't get me wrong, like, blue, blue eyes are... Sexy. Are, yeah, they are lovely and they, but hers are so piercing. They're so blue that it's, like, unnatural. The thing is, well, is your lips as well that make that creep me out a little bit. Her super red lips, they always creep me out a bit. Look, Meg Foster, if you listen to this, right, I'm sure you're a lovely person, right, but you just look a bit freaky. I'm sorry, but, you know... But why does she have no emotion at the end of the film? Has she been whitewa- uh, brainwashed? Has she been... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, She's just a follower, isn't she? Let's end on a couple of facts. Well, one observation first. Do you know the time travel part? Not time travel, the space travel. So that guy, right, who just happens to have access to everything behind the scenes, even though he's a human, just shows him around. And then he shows him that, like, like well, I can only... De- Describe as a spaceport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of Nightmare. The, the oh yeah, game. yeah. Only because it looked like they, they used the same sort of graphics and, and software to do that, but that's, that's by the by. Um there's one scene at the very end of the film when they're looking for um Keith David's character and um Piper's character. And the um, the security or, or wherever they are who are looking after them or looking for them use a piece of equipment to locate them. Did you recognize it? It's Egon Spengler, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the PKE meter. Is it actually the one? Because I yeah, said no, it's, it. it's the same prop. I oh, believe nice. it. Um, yeah, it's the same prop. Um, been used in loads of other um, like TV series and, and films and what have you. But um, yeah. I was like, I'm sure that's from Ghostbusters, but it was. Now, I said the problem we watched it, that looks like Egon's fucking ghost track. But that budget was three million, box office was 13. Oh, that's where it returned. So, sorry. <laughs> bought, bought John a couple of basketball tickets, didn't it? Yeah, but I, I, I do wonder whether it's, um, yeah, the cult following in years to come probably, probably has helped it. And then finally, and I mentioned this at the very beginning, I think it's prime for a remake. And a remake has supposedly been on the cards t- since 2011, but just been stuck in some sort of like production. Hell. So, but maybe it's because the world is they live now. And it's yeah. too- I, I just don't know who would do it. That's the only problem if they did it now. One director and two actors. Who would be Roddy Rod Piper? Adam Sandler. Too comedic though, would they? I, I'd want to see it more serious and a little bit it, darker. I reckon Adam Sandler's good in the straight role. I can imagine someone like the guy from Upgrade, the lead actor from Upgrade, you from Upgrade, or like Chris Pratt. I don't mind Chris Pratt. Goslin. Goslin, yeah. Someone like that playing him. Or they probably they might do a gender shift this time and make it a woman instead. Like get out, get that woman from Crawl. Oh, there's no probably about it, but they would do it. Right, let's wrap that up. Um, oh, final question we haven't asked actually. Prague, would you recommend? I would, yes. I enjoyed it. Ad? Um, to John Carpenter, the fans, yes. What was your rating, Ad? Six. Oh, Six I knew it. Knew it. <laughs> All I did was <laughs> ten. And I was like, what? Is he really giving a ten? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's out of ten. Uh, I'd recommend as well. I, um, 
I don't know if I'd recommend to everyone. It's not a strong recommend, is it? No, no, no. And that's a difficult one. If someone said to me, oh, I like I like action movies, I, I'd say, well, John, and like John Carpenter was in the competition. I'd go, oh, you might like They Live. But I wouldn't just, I wouldn't recommend it to just anyone. I would, I would say they, I would recommend They Live more as an interesting film than a, you know, you have to watch it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It would have to be in the midst of a John Carpenter conversation for me to recommend to someone. If it was like Halloween or thing, I'd recommend those to anybody that likes films. But they live, it'd have to be a John Carpenter conversation. Okay. If someone liked John Carpenter films, conspiracy films, and they had a podcast where they needed to review movies, I'd probably recommend it. <laughs> yes. So, yes. On that, on that note, we are wrapping up. So podcasts come out every Wednesday. Check out social media and also our YouTube channel. Cheers, all. Thank you.